0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's time. Welcome back to the Non-Believer Bible Club, episode 8. I can't tell if I've done a few of these or a lot. <laughs> Speaking of lot, a lot about lot from last week's episode. To start this week, I thought we can re-examine one of the more controversial bits from episode 7. Namely, Lot and his relationship with his two daughters. At the time, I saw this convenience as merely political. The children born of the incest between Lot and his daughters, Moab, whose name translates loosely to of or from the father, and Ben-Ami, whose name translates to son of my people, or son of my kindred, would in turn father the Moabites and Ammonites, people from ancient kingdoms that were nearby the kingdom of Israel, about in modern Jordan. Now, the ancient Israelites and Moabites and Ammonites didn't really get along. But after some more research, there's still some more to the story that's worth talking about. For instance, in the biblical account, the incest that occurs between Lot and his daughters are a result of his daughters believing it's the end of the world and deciding that they need to preserve their father's line by which they really just think human people, they can't allow humans to fall into extinction. So they make do with the material they have immediately available. They are the instigators, and it's not seen generally as a positive thing. According to the Midrash, which are collections of ancient Jewish exegetical works, Lot's daughters are more vindicated, and the blame instead seems to shift back to Lot. When the angels visit Lot in Sodom, They are accosted by a mob outside of Lot's home. Genesis 19.8 Lot says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. Kind of a shitty move for a dad. But also damning for himself. In the Midrash Chankuma, the events of Lot's incest have been brought upon him by himself. God says essentially, By your life, the improper act that you intended to be done to your daughters will indeed be committed, but to you. The real difference here is a difference of intention. Lot has purposefully established himself. In Sodom. The idea is that he wanted to live in sin while he was parted from his kin, from Abraham, in a geographical sense. One went left, one went right. He has also done the same in his moral living standard. He is a man who is morally okay with giving his daughters to be used sexually by a mob. On the other hand, we have the intention of his daughters, not sexual in nature, but altruistic, something that can be interpreted as love. They don't want the line of their father to die. They see a responsibility that they are trying to take unto themselves. This puts Lot in an even worse light. Another rabbinic notion is that Lot lusted after his daughters. He was secretly infatuated with them. And lo and behold, this opportunity came up. He wasn't going to say no. It says he did not know when his first daughter had lain with him, nor when she got up. However, due to a very specific grammatical kind of interpretation on the word, when she arose, some believe it to mean he was not aware of when she had lain with him. But he was aware of when she got up. So maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was not fully understanding what was happening when he was drunk. But he definitely knew when she arose the next morning. Okay. Once is bad. But then he drinks wine again the following night. Then The night after, he gets drunk and allows the same thing to take place. Essentially fool me once kind of mentality. This is just the kind of guy Lot was. A slave to his desires. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says, whoever is driven by his hunger for transgression will eventually be fed from his own flesh brilliant interpretation. Now, there's one more piece of this puzzle that I find very fascinating. The most important reason why the daughters of Lot are seen to be more sympathetic is because of two people, Ruth and Boaz. Ruth is a Moabite, so she is descended from the people of the first daughter. Boaz is an Israelite and together they will create a line that leads to King David, who will be the first king of the united monarchy of Israel and Judah. But even more important than that, the Messiah will be descended from his line. Lot's daughters are portrayed sympathetically because they are honestly trying to save their father's seed But in turn, their father's generations, although they are not aware of it, God has given them insight to know what must be done. So people sin, man sins, man decides to do good, man decides to do wrong. But it all becomes a part, inescapably, of God's plan. Very interesting interesting stuff, researching the Midrash and the Talmud, all of these important exegetical works from these ancient Jewish texts, I realized something. Reading the Bible is something that's fascinating for me. I love it. But I am completely out of my depth when I see people or read about people who have lived and died completely submersed in these works. There is so much to read. There is so much knowledge to be gained. There's so much interpretation to be understood or made. Still, even something like the King James Bible is literally just the tip of the iceberg of an entire movement of people and ideas and works that have come to us over thousands of years. It's fascinating it uh, makes my brain buzz. And honestly, I have to say I feel grateful to have access to something as immense and interesting as these works. Okay, time to make some meme fodder for this week. Very excited about our reading today because it covers one of the more famous stories The people who have not read the Bible are very aware of. Joineth me as we continue with the birth and ensuing misadventures of Isaac. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived, and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and her old age. She's like 90, isn't she? At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Wow. You think there's a generational gap with your parents? And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given child suck? She means breastfeed. For I have borne him a son in his old age. Interesting the laughter is something that keeps being brought up with Sarah before she's reproved for laughing at the idea that God would make good on his promise to give her a son in her old age. And he says, no, thou didst laugh. She's like, I didn't laugh. Oh, thou didst. Now she laughs again. And the promise has been fulfilled. And the child grew and was weaned And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Uh Uh-oh. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight. Because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight, because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham Rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So, this is the wilderness that I spoke about in last week's episode, in which Ishmael will find himself grown to be a wild man with his hand against everybody. But hey, this isn't so bad. You see, Abraham gave them a piece of bread and a water bottle. <laughs> good on you, Abraham. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot, For she said, let me not see the death of the child. Oh, no she sat over against him, and lift up her voice, and wept, and God heard the voice of the lad, remember Ishmael means, God has listened, or God hears, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water, and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness, and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took him, a wife, out of the land of Egypt. That well actually becomes a very famous site in Islam. It's called the Well of Zamzam. Man, I know so much about these religions at this point. If you'd like to know where I am, page 16. <laughs> I'm at page 16. How many pages are in this thing? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, this feels like uh, a moment in Genesis. And this page beget that page, and page 400 beget page 500. And they were 985 pages in their book, in their generations. Okay, from page 16 to page 985, this is what I'm getting myself into. Let us continue. Genesis chapter 21, verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now, therefore, swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech, again, because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. Mm. And Abimelech said, I wot not who hath done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. Very interesting, contentious relationship developing between these two guys. By the way, what, W O T, is another way of saying, I knew not, I wot not. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech. <sighs> God, <Gotta> remember my, <sighs> and gave them unto Abimelech. And both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves, that's a female lamb, ewe. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs, which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me, that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up, and Phicol the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba, and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. So, Beersheba translates to either well of seven or well of the oath. I'm seeing that Abraham is said to have dug seven wells, but there's only one well here. And obviously they're making an oath at this well. There's also a well in Israel called Abraham's well. So I'm not very positive about the number of wells. Very low level mystery compared to everything else in this book everything we're about to get to. But, uh, uh, um, well, there it is. Next, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. Chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. All right. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Whoa. So not only kill him, but set him on fire. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, saddled his donkey, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou Fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place jehovah Jireh. As it is said, to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Man, I didn't like that. But here's why so many things are written about these works over the centuries. I understand that there's probably a lot more to this story that I'm not getting just on a first read. I know some people have mentioned to me, Sean, yeah, Abraham was on DMT, he hallucinated this God that told him to sacrifice his son probably, which there is a very interesting history of exploration into the divine with mind-altering drugs, something that goes back literally hundreds and hundreds of years. But that said, what do I get from this now? I think the only thing that has changed from my knowledge of the story beforehand is the significance of the sacrifice. Abraham has waited a very long time to meet this child. Abraham will father a great nation, and Isaac is that nation. He is everything that was promised or to be promised, but as God withheld, in the beginning, Abraham learned a lesson, which is that God gives what he promises in his due time. You have to have complete faith in God. So, would God waste his time, finally deliver him a son, as was promised, only to be executed? I guess the parable of this, the mythological idea, is that the ways of God are mysterious. They can be as nonsensical as that order, which does seem to be the direct contradiction and even undoing of everything that God has set into motion. But if you have faith, God will jump out and say, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) This is where it seems to me as also more of a moral Test because, especially with the whole Abimelech misadventure, Abraham needed a little bit of humbling. After everything that he has been through, does he have the moral fortitude to be able to handle everything that God has promised seemingly being taken away? As it so happens, he does. And so God gives him everything. Now, The meaning of Jehovah Jireh. The name of God was once thought to be so holy that it could not be spoken except under specific religious ceremonial circumstances. This is where we get the tetragrammaton, which is the four letters, tetra, four, grammaton, letters, corresponding to the name of God. Y-H-W-H. Now, again, because this name was so holy in about the 3rd to 2nd centuries BC, the Tetragrammaton would be substituted for everyday use by Adonai, meaning my lord. Unfortunately, after the destruction of the Second Temple during that period and many diasporas, the original pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton, YHWH, has been lost scholars have found somewhat of a consensus with Yahweh. Although the 3rd century, 2nd century pronunciation has been lost, it is very likely that Yahweh was the 6th century pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton. Transliterated from Yahweh is Jehovah, and that's where Jehovah comes from. Say transliterated, Latinized version of the Tetragrammaton found mostly in early English translations, including the King James Bible. I've said this before, but for those who don't know, Biblical Hebrew solely consists of consonants. So you have to know exactly how to pronounce these words in order to get the correct meaning from it. And actually different interpretations of what a certain word can mean are part of what has given rise to so many exegetical works throughout the centuries. So, that is all to say that Jehovah Jireh means Jehovah, God, Jireh will provide. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and he provided. God promised a lamb to be used for sacrifice, and he provided one. Both of these things have come to pass. God has promised Abraham that he will be the father of a great nation. So now, he has complete faith that along with these other things, that too will come. God provides. Back to the reading. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Thou hast Obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, whose his firstborn, and Booz his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Haso, and Pildash, and Jidleph, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. And his concubine, whose name was Reuma, she bare also Tebah, and Gaham, and Thahash. And Macha. All right, I think we're going to end our reading for today. Short, straightforward episode, but I feel this conclusion brings to a close this long stretch of time we've spent with Abraham in this book. When it starts, he's a man that lives into his 70s and he hasn't left home. God commands him to leave his home he goes on adventures, he he fights, he finds success, he becomes wealthy, he continues to travel, he makes a covenant with God. And now, at the end of his life, he's passed the final test, one last test of his will. When he was younger, not that much younger, he was still an old guy, but when he was younger, he couldn't wait to have a son and then ended up sleeping with Hagar, he tried to take the plan of God into his own hands. Even most recently, when he decides of his own volition to put the fear of God into King Abimelech and his people, we see a man who is quite nearly the person that he needs to be. It's this last test that solidifies his acceptance, not only of God and God's plan, but of his own Fallibility. I feel like that informs his decision to kill Isaac a little more because every time we've seen Abraham try to take something into his own hands, um, it goes poorly or at least has unintended consequences with his triumph over this test. And seeing the way Sodom went, yeah, he needed a test, he needed another test. All humans can seem to do is backslide into sin. With this triumph over his test, he has accomplished what he set out to do, what God promised him. He has achieved peace, not by taking a matter into his own hands, but trusting that God will provide. And even the way the chapter ends, with a brief genealogy of his brother's children, Rebecca is mentioned. Only now, that Abraham has completely given himself to the will of God will we see the great nation begin to appear and Rebecca will be a very important part of that but that's it for this week thanks for listening as always to the Nonbeliever Bible Club